Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Getting children to help around the house can be a big challenge for parents. Washing the dishes, feeding pets, mowing the lawns, helping with the laundry, I don't know, tidying their rooms, picking up their toys. How much can we expect children to do and at what age? And what chores if any, should be tied to pocket money. Psychologist Saab Johal says there are good reasons to ask children to do jobs for the family. Saab, good morning. Kia ora, Catherine. So what are those reasons? Because sometimes it makes things longer than if you did it yourself. So what are the reasons for getting them involved? It's very true. It can be a bit of a pain sometimes. Um, Well, children can learn lots from doing household chores. They learn what they need to do to care for themselves, a home and a family. They experience negotiation and relationships skills, improving, communicating clearly, cooperating, working as a team. It helps them to feel competent and responsible and even when they hate the task they get the satisfaction of finally completing it even if they don't like it. But it's really interesting that our expectations of what children should or shouldn't do around the house have changed quite a lot. How so and how do we know? Well there's been quite a lot of research done and drawing upon some US figures They think about 80% of adults reported doing chores as children themselves, yet only 28, 30% of them were asking their own children to do household chores. That could be uh, memory revisitation and (laughs) rewriting of history. (laughs) It it could, but if you you talk to people, uh, often they'll say, you know, I was expected to do this and I did it, often grudgingly. Sometimes I actually learnt to master a new thing uh, whilst I was a kid. But there is a reluctance. and psychologists, people are starting to think that perhaps there's a, a growing sense of uh, entitlement that they're worried about seeing in, in the younger generation around, yeah. well, what is it that I'm expecting to do and f- and what do I get in return? I suppose the other thing that ha- has happened is that technology has taken a lot of the most gruesome chores and pretty much handed them over to machines. Um, but let, let's the, the, the attitude is interesting as well, and, and let's just delve a little bit more into that. Uh, is it perhaps that because everybody, is busy, it's too hard to make the time to do the chores with the kids or to, or, or to chase them up on it? Is that another factor? Yeah, it's not something that just happens. It is a process of learning. Uh, and so trying to embed the platform around negotiation of, well, what is it that I can expect my child to do at what age? And how do I keep track of that such that they become independent? And, you know, Our role as parents is not just to kind of get things done, but also to socialise our children to be functioning, happy adults who live satisfactory lives that play well with others Uh, and this is part of that if you see that as part of the task of developmental milestones that a child has to has to meet and that a a family has to tackle together then I think it makes more sense and and yes you're right automation has made things easier some of those really horrible tasks such as you know 
standing over a mangle and trying to trying to wind the clothes through, which is what my mum and dad were doing and got me to help them to do. When dishwashers, I was, you know. Yeah, dishwashers. You stack a dishwasher. You still need to stack them. Yeah, yeah. You still yeah, need to true. empty the washing machine and yeah. get it out on the line or into the dryer and, yeah. and fold them up. You know, yeah. Nobody's managed that yet. Yeah. Okay. How young do you start then with the idea that everyone contributes, including you? And I think that's the key. Um, presenting chores as a way, not only as a contribution to the family, but a, weighing, a way of showing that all members of the family care for each other and they express that support for each other through action, not just through words. So I think you can start at preschool. Uh, you can start at... Um, you know, I don't know what it was like uh, in your family, if anyone's listening, but you know, children who are around about three, four years old are really often keen to be helpers. They really, really want to help. Um, and so capitalising upon moment. that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Capitalise upon that. They're already interested yeah. and they may need supervision and guidance. But it's important to start as early as you can. And not, that's not to say that, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to put uh, lay guilt on people who have not managed to do this or, or are thinking about doing that later. It's difficult. You know, children, children moan. And actually, it's really interesting. Single parents actually ask less of their kids than those in, in, in other kinds of relation, relationships or, or family setups. And that's because it can be difficult. So often people will say, do you know what? I'm not going to tackle that because it feels too hard. What you're saying is, though, that at that age, there's an opportunity to begin to encourage something they're already beginning to innately do, to seize the moment and to start a, a habit. Or Absolutely. Yeah. And embedding that habit, you know, things like, you know, choosing what they're going to wear the next day or even laying the clothes out and making sure that the choices are kept two or three because that's overwhelming for, for small children but things like helping to clear the table brushing their teeth learning to set the table learning to dust feeding feeding pets the important thing there is to really to praise for effort and not to criticize yeah. or redo things for them but be interested in how they did it and walking them through the process of first we do this, then we do that, because sequencing is difficult. So rehearsing that sequencing for little children, that's the biggest thing that you can do for them is around praising the effort, sequencing, helping them to sequence and not criticising. Um, I was just thinking about how important that is. It's another case of something we take for granted. But you come and you see a mess or you see a pile of clothes or you see something and we know what to do, but we learn that. So it's like, Start with this, and then we do this, and then we do this. So yeah. Even get into the habit of seeing that a task will take a series of steps. Absolutely, breaking it up, and that's something that comes developmentally to us quite later on. Mm. That, that sequencing of what comes first, what comes afterwards. You have these cognitive tests that children are asked to do, where they have pictures and they're trying to put them in the right order. And kids will struggle with that often until they're you know six, seven, eight years old. So with, for young children, often you can say, "We'll go and do this." They don't know where to start or they mm. get things in the wrong order. So mm. really modelling that and going through that and repeating it with them really helps. Picking up your own stuff, is that a good place? To pick? The endless battle over pick up your toys is a, is a classic. And, uh, and this is where I'm interested in another dynamic in the young child because actually it can morph into something else. It's not about not being able to pick up the toys. It becomes a power battle about something, doesn't it? So let, let's take that really some because that's what you really want. You're hoping pick up the toys will ultimately become pick up your clothes and pick up your towels off the bathroom floor and just generally pick up after yourself through yes. life. Yeah. Let's start with that one and, and sometimes how that can become about something other than a fairly simple task. What's going on in the little one's mind, by the way, when they don't? 
might be tired, they might be hungry, they might be, I don't know, what? Yeah. So there's this idea of um, object permanence. So this idea that, you know, things, if I can't see them, then they don't really exist anymore. We can carry that through life. We can. We can. can. Now, you know, we think that this actually develops a lot younger than we used to think it develops. So, you know, but children need reminding. And there are certain principles that come into play, like everything has its place. So, and that includes your toys. So we pick them up once we finish with things, it belongs in its place. Similarly with clothes, you know, we finish with washing them or they're dirty. So dirty clothes go in the washing basket. Clean clothes go on the washing line. When they're done, they fold it up and they're put into your drawers. So having things on a journey, and that's often a way of kind of framing this and being playful with young children. It's like, well, little lambs had their journey out of the toy box today, but they're tired now, they need to go to sleep. Where does little lamb need to go when they're tired? That's good, but it also raises another point. Often when we're asking them to do this, they might be tired. So it might be after Mm. school, Mm -hmm. put your clothes away. It might be um, um, after playing, you know, put your grubby clothes in the the, the, um, laundry. It might be, with the case of toys or books, time for bed so it can morph into something else does that mean a little bit of strategy might be sometimes to do these things when they are fresh and fed and watered and in a good space yeah Uh, you do definitely have to pick your moment so there are certain things that you may do uh, routinely such as when you finish with a toy you put it away or once we finish playtime then as a transition into the next thing we can't, we can't do the next thing until we've finished this thing properly and doing this thing finishing properly means putting them away but picking your moments are, is absolutely right but also picking the chores that are appropriate for that child's age yeah. of development to stop them from being a too boring or too overwhelming Depending upon where they're, where, how they're feeling at that so moment too. So when are you starting to bring in other things like stacking the dishwasher or uh, let's think of some other things you might be able to do um, uh, around the house or going and getting your washing in or beginning to build an idea that this is your contribution to us as a family. When are you bringing that in? So Not um, just about your stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. So... There's, there's two ways of thinking about that. So there's the developmental stuff. So age, age five is a really good age to start thinking about a chore chart uh, and start, start thinking about rewarding uh, certain things. So there may be like a basic set of things that they have to do on a chore chart and they may be on a daily or a weekly basis and there may be extras where they say okay well if you do this then you get an extra bonus and making them small rewards like choosing a tv program or i get to pick what we have for dinner on saturday night if i do this um but six to seven is the real sort of like a five six seven where you can start to really get trial by error learning going on so it's not just the simple stuff which you know that they can confidently do you also have to be prepared to to let mistakes happen and for that learning to happen with trial by error now that can be challenging for for some parents and some some households so things like doing the garbage okay doing the garbage is going to be mess uh, if, if a child's doing the garbage, it, there'll be mess uh, when they're getting the garbage in from the, the bin to the rubbish sack and then getting the rubbish sack out. And there are going to be errors that are going to be made there. So, again, thinking about the process, praising for effort, not overly criticising and understanding that it'll take a while to get this stuff sorted. In our family, drawing the curtains is a big thing. For some reason, really pushes my buttons. It's a really, really little thing. And I understand that it's a process and we'll get there in a few months' time. Um, but it's about just really picking your battles as well. So, you know, what's the important stuff here that needs to be done that I need, I need my child to learn? And keeping your powder dry and your capital dry and, and not spending it on the stuff that doesn't really matter. 
there needs to be patience and also as we said if someone is getting used to the idea that this is now their chore there can be a little bit of a protest movement happening that again you just want to wait out yeah absolutely um you know having Nobody likes their chores. It's good to fake helplessness and hopelessness and the hope that you'll be... <laughs> it's not worth the effort, is, is my point. Well, yeah, you, you, there's two ways of thinking about that. You know, is that more older kids, by the way, than, than younger kids? Yes, and normally, you know, you, you'll get the, I've forgotten to do this thing, uh, when they very clearly know that this is required in a particular situation. Or there's a moaning, like, do I have to do this again? yes. The dishes need to be cleared away every night. And I guess the way of framing that is, again, it's about this family contribution. You know, I went shopping. um, This was cooked by grandma. uh, Your brother's cleared away. You need to stack the dishwasher. That's your job. That's your role. And that's just what we do. This is how we help each other. But again, you don't want to necessarily punish for not doing chores because that's really aversive. But one one way of thinking about, well, how... You know, people have chores that they actually quite like doing and other people have chores that they, they hate that and others are the, the yeah, nah chores. It's like, yeah, I know it needs to be done, but no, it's not going to be me. So one way that some families do this is almost having two jars. Uh, and today I get to pick from the yay jar. I don't mind doing this, char- this chore. And on, on another day, I have to pick from the yeah, nah jar. And that can often help to get round this kind of unfairness of chore distribution. As soon as you said your brother did this, I got to this point. At a certain age, in fact, for most of their lives, kids are so onto the fairness thing. So are you needing to be... Do you have a conversation at the start saying, here's the stuff that we're doing, um, and what happens if they're at different stages? You know, how, how, how do you deal with that? United Nations of fairness that always comes out. Yeah, that's right. So one way of saying it's like, okay, so this is what's appropriate for your brother, who's four, and this is what's appropriate for you, who's 11. Okay, so you can't compare between the two, but there is some stuff that you like doing, there's some stuff that you hate doing. So let's rotate it around. I'm not going to ask you to do the stuff that you hate doing all the time, but similarly, you can't really compare with your brother who's three, uh, because they like doing this and they don't like doing other things. Everybody's got personal preferences. So you try and set that up over a family dinner over a series of family meetings where you say, okay, here's the stuff you like doing, here's the stuff you don't like doing, there's stuff that needs to be done. So we need to rotate it around so that everybody gets a fair share of stuff they don't like doing, stuff they do like doing. We'll come to the question of rewards and payments. Yeah. Uh, But just one more point. That transition that happens with adolescence and beyond where relationships are already changing and someone's already beginning to push back against mum and dad and become their own person. Can that become a bit of a battleground on the question of chores? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And hopefully um, you've already embedded the idea that chores are not necessarily about the thing that needs to be done, but it's about how the family functions together. So often, you know, one way of thinking about it is that often children can see themselves almost as masters. They have this like master veto of like, if I say I'm not going to do something, then this thing doesn't get done. And what you want to do is to try to avoid that situation. So there needs to be a consequence if there's a refusal or I'm not going to do this. There needs to be a consequence. It's not necessarily about a punishment, but there is a choice that's being made there. And there's a natural consequence to if this doesn't get done, then this will follow. And it may be a withdrawal of something or they lose privileges or they don't get to do something that they would like to do. It's not necessarily a punishment, but there is a consequence to the action. 
it could get caught up in a wider um, power battle. It's, I mean, it's a pejorative way of putting it, but a, a, a wider set of issues you're navigating at that yeah. stage. Rewards versus payments, because there's another point about this, and I'm interested in your take on it, the, the pocket money being linked to this, because this can be car- become car- part of beginning to educate children about the fact that money doesn't grow on trees, that we work for it, um, and then it can be associated with doing jobs. Do you entirely separate the two? What's what, what's your position on on pocket money? Yeah, and it's difficult, and, and each family makes their own choice on that. Um, I guess one thing I'd be um, aware of is that um, paying pocket money directly in a transactional way for chores being done can run counter to the idea that this is what families do to support each other, and this is how you show your support through action. So there's one way of thinking about that is that there may be a minimum set of chores that need to be done. Yes. Uh, and then anything on top of that then gets get gets an extra reward. And that might be monetary if they're, say, saving for a particular thing. You say, well, look, I'll help you out here. But it doesn't – I would I would be wary of making that the fundamental ah. platform for how chores get done. Because I think that the danger there is that it can lead to bargaining. Uh, and, and also, unless you're very clear about what a chore will require well, great, and what, what what they'll get in return. They're great bargainers, the teams, and you can use that to your advantage. But I think what you've got to think about is that idea that we give and we contribute for the sake of giving and contributing, which again is something you're probably hoping to develop in your young person for life. Uh, but a lot of folk will use the pocket money as well. So trying not to conflate, but realistically probably, and as the chores gets more sophisticated by the time they're mowing lawns and doing gardens and clearing gutters or whatever, I don't know what Osh says about that, but by the time they're getting more sophisticated and time-consuming, you could begin to introduce that element. Yeah, well, um, I guess one way of thinking about it, I've been thinking about it recently, it's almost like a UBI. It's almost like you're saying, okay, this is, this is what you're going to be getting anyway as being as a member of a family because there are certain things that you're going to want to do and we want to facilitate you doing that. Uh, and and your, your contribution to the family and, and supporting everybody and what they want to do is this. Now, there's extras that you may want to, to do and in order to get those extras, then we're going to have to negotiate what the payment for that might be. So, yeah, most kids get, get, get pocket money and, and there should be a contribution that's expected to that. But I'd be wary of making it directly for each particular thing that they do. The other uh, currency, probably more relevant um, these days, is um, do you and can you bring this in at all to your negotiations around screen time, for example? Yes, but after you've done this or... Um, you know, or, or do you? Because you, again, you know what mixed messages you are. You are negotiating screen time with your teenager for a lot of reasons. Their, their health being one of them, uh, but it is no doubt as high up on their reward systems. So how do you sort of? What do you want to bear in mind in weighing that up? Yeah. So I guess there's different ways of categorising and differentiating screen time as well. So if it's something that like the whole family participate in, they all get together at 7pm to watch this show because everybody finds it enjoyable. You don't necessarily want to be taking that away. But if it's something that's uh, optional, uh, you know, time on Personal their on device the, stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's where you can say, well, no, actually, it's uh, if this, then that. 
relationship. Yeah. So if this is completed and it's done uh, and you've had a good crack at it and it's not just a cursory thing, then you get your screen time and this is how much time you've got. Because if you spend it all out, then you, you lose the screen time. You're also teaching delayed gratification, which we know is a vital, vital tool for kids' success in life, which is we do the mahi and then we get the treat, to quote that amazing dude on YouTube whose name's not going to come to me on the spot. Amazing guy. Um, you know, do the work and then you get the reward or, or do the work and then you can get on with the stuff you want to do. It's, a, it's an act of delayed gratification that they're going to need in life as well. Yeah. And not, not necessarily even that de- delayed. You know, in the moment, it's like, if I do this, then I get this. You know, it happens within well, the evening, yeah. ha- happens wherever. But absolutely, in terms of the cumulative impact of that, um, you know, the experience that they get, the new skill that they may learn, they understand that cooperation, that relationship building, how to work as a team. All of that stuff is stuff that's intangible that they'll get delivery of. But certainly in the moment, do the mahi, you get the treats. That's, that's William Wairoa is a <laughs> yeah. lovely guy and a, and a sensation. So that's that's a, a phrase you can add to your arsenal with your young person. All right, Sab, good talking. Thanks very much, Sab. Joe Hull. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 